This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host Nabil Mahmood from Kona, Hawaii. This is your co-host Phil Collins from Montclair, New Jersey. And this is Tim Arpin, and I am from Lyndhurst, New Jersey, and coming to you from Fairfield, New Jersey, which is where my office is. It was amazing about that is, you know, you have primary residency in New Jersey, you vacation in New Jersey, yep. just an all Jersey map. We're in the way I'm going to drive right by you still, right by Montclair. So I'll I'll wait up. Uh, no question. Hopefully it won't be lightning. Yeah. When that's happening. <laughs> well, I guess, Tim, we can just go by it that you are the situation from Jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I need to probably lose about 10 to... 30 pounds of, of uh, baby fat, we'll call it, to, to to look like him. But yeah, well, I'll go with that. All righty. Well, welcome. Thank you very much for taking the time. Let's start to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Who you are? Sure. So Tim Arpin, Regional Sales Manager for uh, Service Express. We are a third-party data center maintenance company. Maintain on a contract basis, server, storage, networking. Myself, I'm actually new to New Jersey. I'm, uh, I'm originally from Connecticut. Service Express was actually my first job in the IT world. I've been here for just over four years. Started as a senior account executive, you know, individual contributor seller and did, did well with that. And, and the, the my, my old boss's job, he got a promotion, moved to California. That role came open and I, I went for it and got it. And, and here I am today in uh, 2022 being, I guess now a veteran of the data center world here at my company, but not not really in, in the grand scheme of things. Four years isn't that long of a time. Well, Caddy is pretty good. Let's step back it a little bit. So how did you get started? From what I see and or what I've heard uh, about you, you were in pharmaceutical, you were in operations at, yep. I believe, enterprise. Yeah. You were the head of golf sales. Gosh, yeah, we got to play golf one of these. That guys. was my so, first job in sales, sports authority, head of golf sales at Sports Story when I was like 18 years old. So for you kids out there, there used to be a store. It used to be called Sports Authority. Uh, yeah. Love it. Picture, 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 picture models uh, with <laughs> dicks, picture dicks without, uh, without much hoopla. Yeah. And then head of golf sales is really a fancy LinkedIn title for saying that I ran the little golf section in the corner of the store. So that, that's really a fancy way to say it. Well, that's not bad. So, yeah. you know, walk us through that journey from head of golf sales to what you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. There is nothing technology related other than the fact that you probably had a golf simulator. You can sell anything, in the if you can sell golf to a golf equipment to a golfer, then you could sell any. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I'll, I'll really, I'll talk mostly from a journey standpoint with enterprise because that's quite frankly why I'm here. My my former manager who, who brought me to Service Express, somebody I worked for back in enterprise. And there's actually, at my company, there's kind of a large group of people who who came from the enterprise world. And I'm sure you guys have heard of like, I think they make a joke about it in that movie, uh, Step Brothers, right? Like I work in an enterprise rent-a-car, you, you work your way up and it's it's honestly a great company, great star. And, and you know, not not only a great star, you can, you can do really well there long-term. Actually, my wife still works there. She's a regional vice president at Enterprise. So we, we met there, obviously. But I was there. That was my first job out of college, 20, 22 years old. And in fact, when I first started there, this is kind of interesting. The The assistant manager of the branch I worked at is the wife of my former boss, the guy that brought me here. So they're married. My branch manager was also works for Service Express. He's my counterpart. He's a regional sales manager in New England. And my district manager is also my counterpart. He's the regional sales manager in San Diego. So like we all like 
12 years later, found their way here somehow, starting with, with Dave Doblin, who, who is the guy I keep talking about. The one. I can only imagine how many future leaders, as a consequence of this podcast, from the rental car business are going to end up in, in, in the critical infrastructure. Well, yeah. And, then, and that's the funny part. I never really knew anything about infrastructure. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know who Service Express was when, when Dave gave me a call, said he had an opening for, for a senior account executive. And, and then that's really, you know, the, the, this company is one of the few that's willing to hire talent, hardworking people who may not, you know, they may have to train on what the heck a server is, right? <laughs> things, things of that nature, you know. <laughs> what a perfect segue. Hey, what the heck is a server? Yeah, good question. I, I, no, I'm not kidding. So how did you transition? What was the turning point to come into the data center business? Once, once I heard about the opening, I actually told him no at that point. I had, I had just started a job. I was like, yeah, I don't want to work with a bunch of nerds. Well, no, honestly, it was just more of like, I was at my last company for not that long job hopper. You're like, you don't want to be a job, right? You don't have to be somewhere a year. So that was like my original reason of saying no. And then I started doing research on the industry and in the sales world, it's, it's a, it's a good industry to be in, quite frankly, right? Like it's, it, I think you, you mentioned earlier, I, I did have a, a short stay in the pharmaceutical world. I, I, I tell people IT sales now is like pharmaceutical sales in the 80s, 90s, right? Like there's a lot of success to be had, a lot of growth in the industry, a lot of companies looking for salespeople and just a, just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of wallet share, right? A lot of, a lot of dollars to be made, a lot, of, a lot of IT spend out there from a lot of companies. And there's a piece of the pie for everybody, I guess you could say. So. Did you want to be in sales? What, 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 yeah. what, what is that? Is that always, you always wanted to be in sales? Is I thought about a good... lawyer. I just didn't want to go to school for that long. So I'm a good arguer. I think a lot of people say that, but I did, I did. I like sales. So, so the sports story, I like my first job, I just, I realized I was good at sales and I realized I, I always knew my grandfather used to say the gift of gab, right? Like, like I always knew that I was, I was, had an ability over other people to, to talk and to build relationships and to find commonalities and, and to, and to, you know selling, I guess, right? Everything that, that's, that's involved in sales. So I, I did know pretty, pretty early on in my adult life, I'd say 16, 17, that sales was something for me. So. I'm surprised that you didn't sell Phil in your golf club or a golf yeah, club. Yeah. After that 60 foot putt out of the cross. I wouldn't even know I'm the worst because I'm, I'm so uninformed. Like I wouldn't, I, it would take me three hours to pick out a golf club. Like anybody, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, I could maybe help you. Oh I, my God. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Years ago, I liked it. There it was a good company. I was, you know, I have to go back to first third. I was sad when they closed, man. Um, sales people get a bad rap in general. Like I, I always say, in every organization I've been at, I always say that you know you're either in sales or you're in sales support. That's the only reason anybody is there is because you know people are selling things and you're there whether you're the biggest engineer in the world or you're doing is supporting you know salespeople doing their job. I don't think it gets you know that kind of play internally. I think engineers are. are tend to think of salespeople in, in a negative light. Do you have anything? To, first of all, do you agree with that premise? And why do you think that's the way it is? And why shouldn't it be that? Yeah. So like, there's always that. And I don't even want to, I, I hate using this term because I know people who sell used cars who are good salespeople, but like, there's always that like used car salesman aspect. Rented cars, like, rented cars, the best salespeople. You yeah. get cars. You guys hear that. Exactly. That's at the bottom of the barrel. Look, if you... It could, just like any profession, there are bad people at the profession, right? That give it a bad name. There are bad doctors that give doctors a bad name. There are sleazy lawyers that give lawyers a bad name when really there are high level sales professionals, right? Like, I, I, and that's what I consider myself and my team and people at my company, because I'm not just trying to, you know, shove something down somebody's throat just to make a commission, right? Like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm in sales for, you know, commission and 
success and, and earning a good living, right? But I'm also here to solve a problem, find value, build relationships. And, and not only that, like that, that's more of like your clients that you're helping, right? Like, like I take pride in that book I'm reading right now with my team, Selling with a Noble Purpose, talks about this well. Sales with a Noble, Selling with a Noble Purpose by Lisa McLeod. And it talks about like, hey, finding your finding your reason, your why behind your selling and, and, and having a belief that what you're selling and making sure you work somewhere that what you're selling is helping them. What you're selling is providing value and, and changing someone. And then also internally, you mentioned like no one has a job without sales, like Service Express, there's a reason you didn't hear of them before today, right? Or before we talked via email months ago. It's because like we're not on TV, we don't advertise. Like the, the revenue growth we have, the success that our company has, has had through the last 30 years has been driven by a sales force, right? So like, for example, in the New York, New Jersey market, when I see our engineering team, our local engineering team going, when I started four years ago from like 10 to now like 16, 17 people, that's because of the success of our sales program, right? And that that brings me a lot of joy and a lot of pride because those engineers have great jobs at a great company, right? Like so, and then, and then that, that there's a trickle effect to that, right? Like the, the sales support people, the billing people, like all the growth that this company has had and the people that are employed and, you know, enjoy really great careers at a really great company are because of the hard work of the sales team. Now, I might talk to the service team and they might say, Tim, what the heck are you talking about? We provide great service and it's a full circle effect. Yeah, they, they do provide great service. That's why I have pride in what I sell, right? So um, sorry to go off on a tangent there, but you know, I, I, I agree with you that, that there's a sentiment out there and I talk to my family about this all the time. Like, like it, it, it's, 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 there, there is a difference between bad salespeople, someone who's just look at this, buy this, do this for you. Know, I'll give you I'll give you, I'll give you a special discount for 10% off when really like that's the real price anyway. And, and, you know, there, there's that, that's what gets that salespeople. The, that's what gives salespeople the bad rap. But really like if you're a high, high level sales professional providing value, solving problems, like that, that's where there's the big you see people, you see people changing the name, right? It used to be yeah. like salesperson or sales rep or account rep. Now it's customer success or business development or it's, yeah. it's all these kind of euphemisms for sales where people don't want to say the word. And it's a dirty word, like you said, because, you know, people misunderstand how imperative it is. Like it should not be something that you shy away from that you're in sales because you want to make a good living because engineers are engineers, you know, because they want to get a good living, not, not because, you know, they're, they're in it for the love of the computer. There's some of that, but they can't do what they do, you know, without uh, solid salespeople. And I think the way you described, you know, the, cons the, the consultative process of, of sales. It's, you know, trying to understand and, and, and use those methods of communication is, is an art form that I think is not, is, is not taught enough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we do live in a stereotypical society, right? No matter what you do, there's always going to be something that's going to be said about you, color, religion, occupation, whatever the case might be. Sure. Yeah. You briefed it very well. You explained it really well. So while you're reading this book and, you know, being in the position that you're in, particularly in the industry, is there a unique skill set that you believe that you've developed? Yeah, a few. I'll tell you, I you don't, don't pat yourself on the back, Tim. Well, oh, look, I said, hey, hold on, let me see. How much time do we have? I didn't know this when I joined IT sales, but if you don't sell like that in the IT world, you're going to get left behind, right? Like if you're just picking up the phone and I got a discount on this or this is the best thing, trust me. You know, How do I get you in a server today? Yeah, you, you're you're gonna get left behind, right? There's no industry, maybe there is, just none that I know of that like it, it demands you to be that type of high level sales professional. So, with that being said, in the last four years, I personally have grown, right? And and what that means is like I've become a better 
listener. I become a better relationship builder. I become a better problem solver. I've, I've, I, w- I would say, you know, th- those are, those are keys in this industry that like either, either get on the, get on board or, or get off board, right? Like you have, you have to get better at them. And, and when I joined, I, I don't, I, I would say I was a really good salesperson, but you know, now I sound, now I sound like I'm bragging, right? I would say I was a good salesperson when I joined here. I would say that like the need to become a high level consultative seller in this market has forced me to become a, a better salesperson, right? And that's by, you know, whatever process, reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, whatever it might be. The, uh, here's, here's a question. So I think, the, you know, the majority of people, again, I'm going to harp on this. Everyone thinks salespeople are useless and going to change that connotation. That is the goal of this podcast today is to change the connotation of salespeople. You know, I think people think that, you know, you could sell ice to an Eskimo, you can sell anything. You don't actually have to know what you're selling to be a salesperson. How much, you know, having come to this sales position from outside of the industry, you know, have you been surprised by, you know, and the amount of, let's say, technical knowledge you have now accumulated? Is that, yeah. and, and is that a process that you've had to take on yourself? Is that something that, you know, was provided to you or? A little bit of both. Company does a really good job of training, but you have to take accountability. There, there's a phrase, fake it till you make it, right? And that's okay. You could, something is real is faking it at first, but you have to make it at some point. And, uh, you know, you can't just rely on your company to, feed your trainings. I don't make it. You have to be attentive during those, but also go out and, and, and find ways. That's actually, I remember when I started, a lot of us didn't know what the heck we were doing. We were all salespeople, but we were all new to the IT industry. So it's just Googling like networking, d- data center, networking professionals. I, the LinkedIn group, data center professional, uh, LinkedIn groups and reading whatever I could. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that helped me honestly was just conversations with end users and not when I didn't know something being, a, being, open to admitting that and asking them to explain it to me because I want to learn. And I, I, I take interest in learning and just being an active listener, things like that. So a little bit of both. You need to work for a company that provides really good training like Service Express, but that's only going to get you so far. And you have to. I think I think one of the issues is that, you know, people that buy, particularly in our industry, they go into a, a, a relationship with, with a vendor trying to sniff out if they actually understand what it is they're selling. And, you know, that's why you have like the salespeople that, that don't necessarily have that type of know-how or constantly like attached to a, like a, a sales engineer or some, you know, additional person. And the salespeople that are always the most successful are the ones, I think, that kind of understand the use cases that, that they're selling to that can recognize those, you know, the, the problems that they're solving on behalf of their customers and, and achieve that level, level of, you know, authenticity, credibility, all of those words that are, you know, difficult to fake. Yeah. There's a, there's a little joke, um, you know, we've grown, so he doesn't do it much anymore, but our CTO, Jake Blau, will come on, you know, certain meetings for larger opportunities. He's come on meetings with me before in the past. And there's, there's a joke that he's our company's best salesperson. You know, he's never done sales, right? But you see him in action with an end user and I, I wish I could do that, right? It's because of his technical knowledge. So like there's, there's a point of that where, yeah, you have to be, right? You have to be on their levels as much as possible. Like I don't pretend to be on the level of some of my end user customers, right? I, yeah, no, but am, am I as far as I can be? Yeah. So I've always wanted to say this. You got to be selling without selling. <laughs> Correct. You got to know your stuff. If you want to sell. A subliminal sale. You know, the best yeah. salespeople are the ones that never sell. For sure. Tim, this industry is very complicated. It's, it's changing every day. Conversations that we had yesterday are history. How do you keep up with the constant evolution 
of technology. Yeah, you get lost in it, right? Like you're, you know, just like any profession, I have a job to do. I have a number every month and you have results you have to get. So you could get lost in like, hey, what my company is doing and not further your like, hey, what's outside, what might, even though I can't sell that, what might be important to, to my customers, right? Like what might they be buying this year? What might be their biggest uh, impact? And staying up on things like, see, I like reading anything where CIOs get surveyed. You know, and actually our company, this is not a shameless plug. Our company does a CIO report where they like do things of spend, but th- things like that, right? So things where I'm actually hearing the feedback from results of, of CIOs and high level IT professionals being surveyed and finding out like, hey, what's most important in this year? Obviously in 2022, number one is security, right? Like everyone's, that's the number one spend. That's the number one concern. And, and knowing, yeah, I don't sell a security solution. I don't even have a partner. I can, I'm sure I can find someone, right? But I, can, I don't have anyone I could refer you to to sell a security solution. But how might I be able to deal? Send him a, some information on a security partner. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll have to tweak that right there. No, no, I, I like it. I like the, I like the mic drop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it makes all, all the, all the sense in the world. The, you know, we met obviously through AFCOM. Correct. So, you know, uh, is there some benefit to, you know, access to an organization like AFCOM that allows you to, to get in front of technologies? Yeah. So I was like three months in and I was Googling just like, data center, I think I mentioned this a couple minutes ago, data center networking groups. AFCON was one of the first that came up. Saw they had a local chapter. I remember going to my boss's office and be like, hey, this is this is 300 bucks. Like, you know, and obviously past companies like getting 300 bucks approved is, you know, a nightmare. But in the IT world, you, you know, that's really... You know, I heard I heard $300 is what put Sports Authority under. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I no, I just remember being this like timid salesperson, like it, they're you know, new to the industry and like, Hey, can I join this? Can I? And, and so that I, I found others and I've done other events and went to other things. AFCOM has by far been the most beneficial for me. I remember it was like May of 2018. I joined and I just missed their like annual golf outing, which we just had. And so I went to their next event, was which was in October, which was at a, they always do it at Colos. They do events at Colos. So that was great for me. I get to actually do like walkthroughs of data. So talk about like learning. There's always guest speakers. There's always like different companies sponsor and tell about their products. And you know, like that, that stuff's invaluable. So, so just the knowledge, number one, absolutely invaluable. When I start to meet other companies and hear what other companies do inside the data center, that might have nothing to do with what we do. And then obviously relationships. It's a great organization where like, it's a, it's a solid mix of end users and vendors, right? And, you know, just different relationships with different vendors. I can't tell you how many times, like, I've made a bunch of friends there. I go to three or four events a year and I've made a bunch of friends and people and, and, you know, professionals, you know, now associated with, and I can't tell you how many times, like I'm looking up somebody I'd like to meet with from a certain company we don't do business with. And I see he's connected with this person who I know from AFCOM and I, and I reach out via text and they send an email intro because that's one of their customers. And, you know, so there's, there's that aspect. And then there's actual other vendors you meet there that you actually end up doing business with, partner with, right? Like reselling of services, either, you know, either way. Like I said, with a security example, like, you know, not every, there's, everybody can't sell everything, right? So, and then, and then the end users, I've, you know, met a ton of end user contacts and, and quite frankly, done, done good amount of business from, from just meeting end user decision makers there and, and having that. And a couple of times it took six months, sometimes it's taken three years, but we, we've developed relationships and and, and won some business because of it. So, so obviously, obviously sales um, is one of those things that, you know, is 
to a certain extent, especially creating relationships is something that is done better. I think we would all agree. Obviously, we have been not in person for the last two and a half years, and we're in this kind of weird other Neverland where it's still we're still like congratulating ourselves for being in person whenever we're in person. It's still weird about it. Having to explain to our wives why we need to go in person. The uh, Sorry, I went off on a tangent there for a second. How has the pandemic changed the way you sell or build those relationships? Yeah, positive, negative. So relationship building, it's been, it's been hurtful. You know, like, like most people, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't go on video and actually read in. I think Jeb Blount put out, it was virtually, yeah, it was Jeb Blount's book, Virtual Selling, where he he uh, said to ask at the beginning to to turn your video on. And I, I always shame them. I always turn on my own video. And it's like, I always first thing I say, this is a good sales trick for all you young salespeople out there. The first thing I say is, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to hide? We're not, this is a judge-free zone, man. Turn on your camera. Yeah. So then by the way, I never get the sale. So I'm not sure. That's what I should say. I have asked, you know, people, I don't know if you've asked the right way, people are not. And anyway, that's hard, right? Like you're talking to, you're talking to a black screen. It, it's, not impossible, but it's definitely more difficult to build a strong relationship, right? Like, like an aspect of sales will always be likability, right? Like just people getting along and then mutual just liking of each other. The benefit would be activity, right? Like, like, so for example, when I was a, a, a direct seller, I would have, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, be like my office administrative slash prospecting days. And then Tuesday, Thursday would be the road dates, right? And I would you know, on a Tuesday, I would two to three meetings I'd get in driving to, to the different offices. Now, um, they're, they're in either home or in an office five days a week and two to three meetings on a Tuesday could only take them an hour, will only take them an hour and a half, you know, no travel time. So you have an entire day of giving back to you of productivity. So there's that benefit. You know, honestly, I don't know if what outweighs, like which, if it just turns out even in the end or, or what's the benefit, what's the negative, and what's the math equation on that in terms of like net positive or net negative? Personal opinion would be net negative. You know, that's just my personal opinion, but I don't know. Could be wrong. Well, we got to create a sense of balance. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, can't, can't go one way or another. I've got to have a sense of balance. Walk us yeah, through. Uh, it's easier to say when working from home means I get to be in Hawaii. There <laughs> you go, Phil. I can't really complain. Walk us through at a very high level of how you engage and what's in Tim's mind when you're trying to sell something? High level of how I engage when I'm trying to sell something. First off, I'm trying to tell a little bit about what we do, right? Like they got to know why you're there, what the heck your company generally does, but find out if we can solve a problem for that. You know, like the last thing you want to do is become commoditized, in my opinion. And, you know, we sell maintenance contracts, which can at times be commoditized. So, High level, I would tell you that the thing I am always pressing my team to do whenever I'm sitting on meetings or whenever we're on a strategy and we're talking after the fact about meetings is like, hey, what what problem did they have that you found that we could help solve? I think, I forget what book, I want to say Challenger Sale, but there was like a quote from a CTO and it was like, to get a meeting with me, you better tell me about a problem that I didn't know I had. Uh, I want to say Challenger Sale, I could be wrong on that, but... And, and that like really, I remember I read that pretty early on here and that, that like really stuck with me, right? Like that, that has stuck with me from day one of like, okay, now I know what I need to do. Right. So I don't, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for in a deal, but high level, like for me, that's, that's the most basic way to say it is like, 
how how can you how can you find something? How can you change their status quo by finding something that they don't like? They don't even know is a problem, or they don't even know is broken, or they don't even know they can get better or or pay less for and 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 be a problem. You know, and it doesn't always. It's not. It's it's that that's perfect world, right? It doesn't always happen. It's not. It's not always. I imagine that requires doing some research on these companies prior to outreach in a way that they, you know the cold callers of were. Uh, you know, selling stocks or whatever. Yeah. More importantly, research on LinkedIn. You know, I tell, and look, we cold call, right? So I tell my team all the time when I used to cold call, when I was an individual contributor, like, like what, what sounds better? Like, Hey Mike, Tim Arpin from Service Express. We do third-party maintenance saving 50 to 70% or like, Mike, I looked up your LinkedIn profile before here. I saw that part of your role is, you know, reducing IT spend. We have helped company A, B, and C reduce spend by doing X, Y, and Z, right? So like, how are you, you know, are, are you doing that or are you doing the, the latter and saying like cold calling is dead? No one picks up the phone, right? Like, so like there's, there's two types of people in my opinion in the sales world. And right. you're, 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 and you're the, and you're the cold calling is alive and well. I am, I am in the cold calling is live as well. I would say that like, I would say that connect rates are down, right? So like, again, I don't have like math or graphs to study this, but my general opinion would be that Versus 10 years ago, probably less people pick up the phone. But I don't even know if I believe that because, you know, the, the mobile phone, especially now with screening 19, like, you know, people are just on their, their cell phone. Like that's just where they work from, right? There's no, there's no such thing as an office phone anymore. So calling cell phones and, and texting is help. Texting. <laughs> yeah, I got one. I, I, I literally got one 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I don't believe in cold texting personally. Uh, I do believe in forming a texting relationship once you know somebody or that, no, no, no question. Everybody, everybody wants to be, everyone wants to be a teenager secretly. Yeah. I will tell you, I have, I've never won a, a sizable deal, right? Like where there's, you, you know, whatever that number threshold is, but what our company considers a sizable deal, I have never won that without having an internal champion that I've had a texting relationship for one of my team members has had a texting relationship. So everyone needs a mole. Everyone needs a mole. I didn't want to word it as a mole, but yeah. So it's all right. We are real here at Nomad. Maybe somebody telling you, hey, you need five points here. You need seven points there, right? You might need that every once in a while. If you buy something from Service Express, just recognize there is a mole within your organization. There is. I'm not sure. There is a side of its own. What did I just do? I'm like, put that out. No part out. Oh, this is going to make news. Tim, where do you see yourself in the next four to five years? What's what's next for you? My long-term Four to five years, maybe not, but I, I do believe I want to be a uh, high-level sales. So like chief revenue officer, I, I really, you know, I, we were much smaller when I started here four years ago. And we're, we're by no means like a, a big company now when you compare to like the OEMs. But I, I'd love to, you know, do VP of sales, chief revenue officer, drive a revenue organization from a strategy standpoint. That That's long-term. Four or five years, you know, you move to Hawaii. I'd like to move to Florida. I love Florida. So that's kind of a vision goal of mine to to make it down south. And, and that's one of the benefits. Of, a typical a, a typical retirement path from Jersey anyway. So, well, you know, I, I'm trying to not make it a 65 move to Florida. I'm trying to make it a 40 move it to Florida, you know, and try to enjoy it while I still have. Oh, uh, I got it. He hasn't made it to Florida. There you go. Exactly. All right. Well, young gun. What's your index? What's your index? My index? What do you mean? Yeah. Well, you're a golf player, right? Oh, golfer. Oh, handicap. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a 17 or 18, which isn't that good. But I would, I will tell you that I am probably one of the best 17 or 18s you'll ever play with. 
I just am awful around the greens. So like I'll, I'll play all the time and I'll shoot at 95 and someone will be like, Oh my God. It seem like a nice He's a sales guy, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey, he's, he's, Mr. Moneybags. He's a, he's a driving range. He's a driving range golfer. It's a, look, it's a Tim and me combined with my 60 foot putt are the perfect golfer. My God. There you go. Yeah. Watch out, Mickelson. Yep. My low score is a 91. My best score ever is a 91. Actually, it was uh, this course that I'm wearing the shirt for, Medina in uh, Chicago. My boss lives in Chicago and that's really, really prestigious course he had some connection to and got us on. So. That's, that's, that was last summer, 91. Very good. Well, make sure to invite us if you want somebody to come out and shoot a low score. Well, uh, you just pay for my travel and hotel to Hawaii. The round's on me. Well, I can I, I can get on Medina pretty easy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have to imagine there's a Sarah. Don't, don't you get like, uh, what do the, the salespeople get? Like the presidential awards? I'm sure that's going exactly. to Hawaii at some point. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are you looking at any future tech as far as you are concerned? Any advice you want to give the younger generation? Oh, good, good question. I would say, I would say, what would you tell to the young Tim? But you're pretty young to begin with. So what would you yeah. tell? I bet it's still the young Tim. Is, is this to the salespeople or is this the people looking to get into actual like infrastructure? Or, you know, this is whatever young person you, whatever young person you want to be. Or, coming across. Yeah. That, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you're going to make me sound corny. Right? I have never met a young person that actually said they want to get in sales. So just a young person, they don't know it. I'm sure they do exist. I'll be yeah. in sales pretty young. Yeah. And that's because that stigma you were talking about. So right. I will, I will say to any young person, you'd be surprised. Like I, I used to get in my head about like, do I have the skill? Do I have, right. You'd be surprised what just the will and heart, just having the ability of working hard and outworking everybody, how much that will separate you, doesn't matter skill. And I will also say that there is a lot of, th there's a lot of pride in, in being a salesperson from a supporting your family, number one, and number two, growing a company, having an impact on a company, and also having an impact on your customers, right? If you do it the, if you do it the right way, and if you're a high value, you know, high value, high level sales professional, not, not a, here's a, here's the shiny red. I'll give it to you for 10% less. Right. I so think, I think that's, that's the best pitch, right? It's tangible. Like yeah. you have that feeling of fulfillment because you can see you actually sold something. So you can yeah. see that you, you accomplished it as opposed to just manipulating a spreadsheet or, you know, whatever those fancy finance people do, pivot tables. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Tim Arpin. Tim, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Great having you. Really enjoyed getting to know you. Thanks, Adil. Thanks, Bill. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back. Currencies will rebound. Businesses will go on. And we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.